Welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, welcome to Stuff to Blow Your Mind. My name is Robert Lamb. And I'm Julie Douglas. And you know, Julie, there's something kind of irritating about uh, any of these instances that you, you frequently find it on the internet where someone will take something beloved from your childhood mm-hmm. and they'll twist it into some sort of perverse joke or some sort of uh, or something sexy mm-hmm. and uh, and, you're, and you're just like no no that's this is a part of my childhood that I hold dear and I don't want to think about Fred Flintstone in this way or, or cats that look like Hitler yeah, yeah yeah that kind of don't don't mix don't turn this innocent uh, you know nicety from my past into a dark carnival of the soul um, and, and another area that interestingly comes up, and, and this and this is a perfectly legitimate um, collision of of the the grown up world and the childhood world, is the question of dinosaurs having sex with one another. Ugh. Yeah. See, even right there, I'm like, really? My my friend Brontosaurus, I know Apatosaurus, <laughs> but I will continue to call Brontosaurus Brontosaurus because again, from my childhood, I cannot imagine Brontosaurus kicking boots, you know. Yeah. Because these these were our friends when we were kids, you know these little plastic dinosaurs. If you're like me, you you, you memorized all their names or a lot of their names, and uh, and you had a big box full of them, and you'd get them out, and they'd yeah they'd wrestle each other and they'd bite each other, and and the T Rex would stab. I mean the uh, the Triceratops would stab the T Rex <laughs> in the gut, and the T Rex would try and bite the back of the the uh, the, the the Triceratops head. Uh, good times. Great yeah, times. those were good times. And never did you imagine that one day that you would go on the internet and just do a simple search for like dinosaur mating and find a, a photo gallery mm-hmm. of, of dinosaurs doing it. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting because with normal animals, I mean, everybody grows up, say, loving, a, loving, like little girls love horses and guys love lizards and stuff. Uh, and other animals as well. And then you go to the zoo and something weird is liable to happen. Like, especially if you go to like the Georgia Aquarium, um, which is, which is, which is awesome place, but occasionally you'll see, uh, one of the, um, the beluga whales, yeah. um, you know, slip out a corkscrewed penis and go chasing one of the other whales around. And, you know, there are children watching and, and <laughs> to, you know, to, to paraphrase uh, Arrested Development, you know, bam, I'm all grown up now. Cause I've seen that. <laughs> yeah. So, so since you just had that experience, right? That yes. Georgia Aquarium, yeah, we, you day. feel like yeah. we we could probably talk about dino sex. Yeah, it's because uh, we've gotten to the point where I mean, where a we're able to to we have enough data to sort of uh, ask these questions anyway, if yeah. not necessarily answer them. And also, reproduction is is a vital, if not the vital, part of any organism's life. Well, and if you think about uh, dinosaurs too, that, I mean, they primarily dominated the landscape for a hundred mm-hmm. million years, right? So, or thereabouts, um, in terms of domination. So, obviously, they were doing something right in terms of reproduction. It's just so very difficult to really pin it down, like exactly how they were they were doing this. But it's also kind of fascinating because we don't know exactly. Yeah, we've got some interesting theories. So, before we get get back into the. Uh the grisly details of um, Jurassic or sex. Sorry, I had to do it. <laughs> <laughs> the 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 brown chicken, brown cow thing. That no, well, no, no. That was the the. No, sorry, that was a <clears throat> a naughty music sound. That yeah, the, yeah, the brown chicken. Brown. What was the brown chicken? It's like a joke cow? about um, like oh man, I forget how the joke goes now. But the <laughs> the punchline is 
this brown chicken, brown cow, and you're supposed to say it like brown chicken, oh, brown, brown cow. chicken, yeah. brown cow. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah. Okay. yeah, I totally butchered that joke though, so I'm, I'm my apologies. Um, I don't even. Yeah, I'm, I'm quite sure what it is, and I love it. But anyway, so, <laughs> um, how do we know anything about? what dinosaurs or any prehistoric creature did or did not do. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it all comes down to, it's kind of like solving a crime. Um, there are several different ways of fig- figuring out what happened, several different lenses we look through. Um, they're, um, yeah, get the forensics out. Yeah, they, they depend on, first, uh, there's uh, cladistics, which is a method of hypothesizing relationships among organisms. Mm-hmm. You can think of it as creating a family tree with blank spaces for unknown ancestors. They also turn to molecular sequencing, in which uh, they reveal the hierarchy of relationships among different organisms by comparing their molecular details. So think of it, again, as a family tree, only this time using DNA evidence to figure out what goes where on the chart. Right. And then there's the fossil record, which is quite incomplete. I mean, by that's just the fossil record. Mm-hmm. Um, it, and it's important. Sometimes people will criticize that, like, oh, well, the, you know, the fossil record is incomplete. How can you prove this, that, or the other? Well, that's because we're using it uh, along with other tools. Well, and it's a blueprint of sorts, right? right. So you've got to go, go along something here. Yeah. So here's the reason it's incomplete, or the primary reason. Sediment has to cover an organism's remains in order for uh, the long fossilization process to begin. And, and most organisms decompose before this can happen. I mean, think of it. You're some sort of prehistoric creature out there. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to be covered in, in, basically covered in mud after you die for your, for your form to be preserved in, in fossil. Right. So if you, if you live in the mud, great. You've got a, you've, you've got a, a leg up on this fossilization process. But if you live in the desert, uh, maybe not. Or if you only occasionally go near the water to drink, then you've got a, it's a question of dying at just the right moment. Right. And in just the right circumstances. And um, uh, so that that's why, like, trilobites, the ancient marine anthropod, uh, are a rather common fossil. While a T-Rex is, uh, is far rare because it's large, it's land-dwelling, and it's a top predator. So there's a very small percentage of the population. Trilobites everywhere, but a T-Rex, think of it like a, a pyramid. Mm-hmm. Like, the T-Rex is at the very top. And like for every one T Rex, there's got to be the, the next level is, um, of uh, predators and prey is a little larger, and the one below that is a little larger, all the way down to your, you know, to the, all the different herbivores that they eat, and then the grass that the herbivores eat. Right. So your T Rex, your top predator fossils are pretty rare, and so so you know even rare that you would find evidence of say a T Rex engaged in a particular activity, especially um, especially sex. Also fossils. May be set in stone, but uh, they are not figuratively uh, set in stone because right. they, they can they can be destroyed. And then there's a, there are a lot of fossils that we haven't found and we'll never find. Like if there's a fossil of a, of two T Rex doing it, and it just happens to be on the Earth under say the Vatican, uh, we're probably never <laughs> going to get that fossil. That's just you build yeah, you build not, uh, something important, and you're going to give up on that. Yeah, so. yeah. So it's a question, right, of the soft tissue preservation, right, and, right. and actually having. Um, reproductive organs intact, which is, yes. I mean, that's never even been found in a dinosaur before, right? Well, um, there are some cases of some soft tissue. Uh, there are some cases of soft tissue, mm-hmm. which would probably make for a, a whole other podcast, but, but not to the point where they're able to say, Hey, look at this. This is a, uh, a dinosaur sex organs. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not so complete that you could go, ah, oh, there, there's the penis. Yeah. It tends to be more like, uh, for instance, finding that there's still some soft tissue, uh, available mm-hmm. in the middle of a bone. It's, and that's a very, it's a slightly controversial study 
at okay. any rate. But yeah, for the most part, we're finding bones because these dinosaurs, uh, and also remember, I mean, you had, uh, scavengers too. So something dies in, in, in the world today. Chances are something's going to go and have a meal out of it. Yeah, um, true. And the same held true back then. So the, the thing that we can do is to look at the common ancestors, right? For right. a little bit of a clue. Um, in particular, alligators, uh, crocodiles and birds for yeah. dinosaurs like velociraptors. Yes. And just think of it. We see naked birds all the time and there's nothing really, <laughs> uh, really all that scandalous about it, right? Why? Because they have what is called a cloaca. That's right. A cloaca. And this is, a cloaca. How, how do we talk about a cloaca? Um, it actually, in, in Latin, it means sewer. <laughs> That's a lovely introduction. Um, but it's basically an opening for urine, excrement, and sex. And we know that crocs have this, right? Mm-hmm. And we also know that female titanosaurs uh, are more like a croc, given the analyzation of well-preserved t- titanosaur eggs, which are rounded like a croc instead of oblong like a bird. So they've sort of extrapolated with that information and said, okay, since you know the, the titanosaur uh, had round eggs and they were laid in big clumps, much like crocodiles, let's take that uh, logic and extend it out and say that they possibly had a cloaca like a crocodile does. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and I, I think one way to think about cloaca is to um, think of like Barbie and Ken and how, you know, like Barbie and Ken, I think, would essentially have cloaca. I'm sorry. I don't like, okay, yeah, go ahead. And uh and I, and I, I, if my, my wife is probably listening to this podcast at some point and, uh, and cringing because she's, she has this weird fear of birds or avert. She, I mean, she likes birds. Right. But, uh, but they kind of creep her out with some of their things like their black beady eyes and their beaks and their tongues and, and their cloaca. Yeah. She doesn't want to know about the cloaca. Right. Yeah. And, and, uh, there's a, a great, uh, great little bit, um, here t- talking about the possibility of dinosaurs having cloaca from, uh, uh, Carmelo. Amalfi of Australia's Cosmos magazine, yeah. which has an online presence. It's really cool as well. And uh, this is what uh, this author says. Quote, if dinosaurs also had cloaca, according to theory, penetration would have occurred when the male cloaca filled up with blood and bulged out into the cloaca of the female, much like a couple of plumber's plungers pushing up against each other, unquote. And this, folks, is called the cloacal kiss. Yes. By the way, which sounds like an STD, I have to say. Yeah. Like, kids, watch out. Don't get the cloacal kiss. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, I mean, that's... (laughs) You're shaking your head. Um, But that's that's what the cloaca is, or what they they think it is in the dinosaurs and how it may have... um, Operated, so to speak. And also we should say here too that within the cloaca for the male, the penis would have been concealed. Um, if, if dinosaurs in fact had penises. I mean, there's a, there's a possibility that they actually just ejected uh, semen from one cloaca to the other. You know, actually in that whole sort of, uh, with the plumber plunging, uh, setup that you just talked about. So it was basically sort of like backing up the cloacas. Next yeah, to each I'm, other. I'm picturing it in my mind now. It's, and it's, ejecting it's the gross. semen from one yeah. cloaca to the other. This is science. <laughs> Sometimes science is, is pretty gross. It is. Again, this is why it's like, oh, dinosaurs, really? Yeah. Um, well, it, you talk about the possibility of dinosaurs actually having um, a, a member, as it were. Uh, the late uh, British paleontologist L. Beverly Halstead uh, wrote back in 1988 that uh, – that, that he thought that, uh, that, that, uh, they might, if they were humped like birds, they'd have to, uh, get past uh, that thick, powerful tail 
in yeah. order to do it. So they would need to have a corkscrew-shaped penis about three meters long. Uh, but then Halstead goes on to, to say, quote, uh, yet there is no evidence that they had such a grandiose organ. Maybe they lay side to side, male to port and female to starboard, and sort of snuggled up uh, together, bottom to bottom. Oh, yeah. There are all sorts of different yeah. positions that people have imagined for this. And Yeah, like I've heard like house cat position. House motion, cat where I, the female would get down like. on the elbows and then raise the the hindquarters up in the air. Okay. So, oh, like when you pet a cat and their yeah, and butt comes up, right? Okay. Right. And goes, hey, scratch my butt. Um, not that the dinosaurs would be saying that. Well, so they would. I, I guess if you patted them on the head. I, I don't know. I mean, it depends. Like, which are we talking about a stegosaurus here? Because, <laughs> I mean, just even the act of petting could be dangerous, right? And this is another reason why it's kind of hard for us to wrap our minds around it. Uh, one, because, of course, we're coming at this as mammals, right? We've got our own ideas of, of how sex happens. But another is because we know that all the different plates and the pointy parts, uh, depending on the dinosaur, can really make the act difficult. So, again, that's why there are all these different theories. Uh, the behind mount is one that is really very popular. Um, it's thought that like giraffes and elephants, that this would be the most common position. Um, but it's also pointed out, as you pointed out, that thick tails, plates, and uh Weight distribution would make this really difficult. Yeah, weight is a big one. Um, and then just general size, like there are some uh, discussions about how, like, say, a, a long neck dinosaur. Yeah, um, like, like how, Brontosaurus. Yeah, there are some, some discussions that, well, it could do it uh, from behind, but it would need to keep its head horizontal because if right. it went vertical, uh, then blood flow would be an issue. But then again... Uh, the giraffe is a classic example of how, even with that long neck, mm-hmm. uh, it has special adaptations that allow it to continually pump blood to the brain. It has a giant heart, yeah? Yeah. yeah. They're just such they're such a giant heart. <laughs> it is such a giant hearted creature. Um, and then there's also a 1991 scientific paper entitled Fusion of Caudal Vertebrae in Late Jurassic Sauropods. So again, we're talking about brontosaurus here. Um, they found that the fusions of the tail vertebrae closest to the pelvic girdle were common among um, these types of dinosaurs, possibly so that their tails wouldn't snap off during mating. So it's this kind of fusion that could might only occur in female dinosaurs that could lift their tails and arch uh, huh. During mating, but n- their tails don't snap off because that no, would be kind of no. interesting too if their tails snapped off like lizards. No, no, yeah. no. I mean, this is the idea here is that the the fusion was a little bit wonky, right? On that vertebrae, so that they could get that arch in the tail. Um, so that's that's a theory. Um, another theory is the I like to call it the hot tub theory. Oh, this is because of their weight and size, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, l- larger dinos, right? If they're weighing around hundred thousand pounds, would have the most difficult time in mounting. Um, without crushing each other, right, or right. maiming each other. So it's thought that they would go, like like crocs, that they would just float in the water and that would give them some buoyancy and kind of give them uh, a more gentle way to dock their cloaca, so to speak. <laughs> um, and then there's, I think you already mentioned it too, there's a sort of a spooning action. Um, they could have laid down on their sides or belly to belly. Now, see, now that's adorable, the idea of dinosaurs spinning. Yeah, that one I can cotton to, because that doesn't seem too graphic. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And it seems like they'd have some nice pillow talk there, too. Yeah. And then there's another one that seems, this one I I really kind of, it seems simple enough, but I keep trying to imagine it. It's sort of a backing it up position, which they face opposite directions, and then they back up into each other, and again, they align the cloaca. Okay. Now, there there are some animals that, End up in that alignment in the wild, I, I believe. Not, not oh, with yeah. cloaca, but yeah, anyway. Uh, 
I, I think I saw it on Nature Video once. But, um, yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you know, it's a, it's again, these are awkward things. I mean, it doesn't make a, I have to say, it doesn't make dinosaur sex seem all that like, wow, dinosaurs. They were really, yeah, romantic. It well, I mean, it just kind of underlines how all reproduction is kind of weird. You know, it's just kind of weird and and messy and and uh, and and not all that dignified. So we hate to think <laughs> of our uh, our childhood uh, friends. Uh, engaging in, in this kind of activity, but they although had to the work. hot tub part, I mean that doesn't seem so bad either, well, right? To, well, okay, the hot tub thing, I guess, could could work. It's you know, it's it's kind of like they're flying. It's weightless and beautiful. Right, right. They could be yeah. looking up at the moon and stars, reciting yeah. poetry to each other. So maybe other. they do that, and then they spoon on the shore. I'll, yeah, I'll go th- for that. There you go. Yeah, let's. It's it's the the plunging in the cloaca and the backing up that seems a little <laughs> awkward. I think. Um, but, you know, we should probably talk a little bit about some courtship rituals, too. Uh, oh, yeah, because, you know, they're not just doing it. They're they're probably engaging in some sort of activity. I mean, especially when you look at if, if you uh, look at any kinship to birds. I mean, birds have some of the most spectacular courtship rituals right. um, imaginable. Um, you know, just watch a few episodes of uh, of, uh, of Attenborough's The Life of Birds and you'll see activity. They're just like, wow, these guys really had it going yeah, on. Yeah, they make it sexy, right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, like all sorts of plumage, calls, uh, building little dances, uh, dances building little structures to, <laughs> for, that, that have been decorated to woo their mate. I mean, it really gets phenomenal. Right, yeah, it's very cool. Um, and again, we don't know so much about what dinosaurs might have done, but we can think about, um, again, like, you know, sauropod-like uh, brontosaurus, um, apatosaurus um, long tails, long necks. It's very possible that they might have done some sort of dance in which they intertwined their necks. A um, sexy dance. A sexy dance, yeah. a slow dance, like a Valentine's Day, uh, dance together. <laughs> I don't know. Um, to, you know, fifth grades, you know, hearts mm-hmm. all around them. Um, but in their tails intertwining too. So, and then again, with the males in the necks, it's very possible that they might have used those to tussle with other males or to herd other males away so that they'd have less competition with the female they were trying to mate with. I like the idea of like a fearsome T-Rex, like spending hours and hours and hours doing some sort of silly, tedious dance <laughs> to try and woo a mate, you know. I, I like the idea with like the sh- like the short little arms doing yeah. some sort of like I don't know um, like you know neck and pop and locking thing I don't know. Well, that that would, it would that's the the problem too with the the T Rex arms because they have those two little fingers. Yeah. So, so it looks like they're doing ironic quotation marks every time they say anything. <laughs> they're like I really love you, and then then the other dinosaur gets all up in arms because they they're like oh you love me. Great. I'm going to go mate with this other T-Rex. Right. So we think communication is hard now. Yeah. I mean, think about it then. Um, and then some other folks, too, uh, if you think about the Tosaurus and the Pelisosaurus, those are the fin-backed lizard-looking dinosaurs. Oh, yes. Like the, uh, like, was it Demetrodon? Oh, man. See, the, the eight-year-old me would, would be great on this podcast because you'd remember <laughs> that. There, there were two. There was the cool-looking one and the kind of plumper-looking one. And one was a carnivore and one was a... Herbivore. The eight-year-old you right now would be crying under the table and like, what are you talking about? What do you mean they're having sex? Um, but yeah, I mean, these, these are the, the crests that are, they're really ornate and mm-hmm. researchers think that they've actually, they had developed as a way to woo the ladies actually because the crest got bigger and bigger and bigger over time and they really didn't serve any function. I mean, think about hauling that sort of crest on your back all the time. Well, uh, I have heard that the crest could have been used for, um, 
to to warm the blood. You send the blood up through those vein, the veins oh. in that crest, and then the uh, the, the sunlight is, has more ready access. Okay. It, so. Okay. Well, in the, this one they were saying that because it kept getting larger and larger, they were they were looking at more like plumage. Oh, okay. Um, and also that they could you know maybe even use that to sort of look like they were bowing up against another um, would be suitor. So, again, if you look at all these ridges and these plates that are on a lot of the dinosaurs, many of them could be used, um, you know, to fight off other dinosaurs. And we already know that right now. But in the courtship ritual, certainly it could be like, hey, look at my nice ridges, my nice crests. So there you go with that. Well, there you have it. Dinosaur sex. Uh, so hopefully we have uh, illuminated and enlightened more than we've uh Tarnished dreams and childhood memories. Yeah, um, well, I will say that there's one thing that I want to talk about okay. just to <laughs> just to maybe tarnish the dreams a little bit more. Okay. One of the things we do know for sure um, is that scientists can get a rough idea of how old fossils are by looking at the bone microstructure for the growth rings, sort of like if you look at a tree. Right. And what they found is that females began to produce eggs uh, much more before they uh, reached full maturity. So this is a quote from uh, the Smithsonian article, Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Dinosaur Sex. They say that these dinosaurs grew fast and became teen moms. Yeah. So we do know that they were doing this early. And the idea is that if if you didn't have a long lifespan, obviously you try to get your genes out there as quickly as possible. So, yeah. So we, we have these... Making love dinosaurs, teen moms going on. Wow. There's the full tarnish right there. Wow. I'm all grown up now. Yeah. There well, you go. Uh, well, cool. Well, hey, I have some uh, listener mail here uh, regarding our discussion of uh, more contemporary animals. Hi, Robert and Julie. I'm a big fan of your podcast, and it helps keep me entertained during long hours on the road for my job. I have one small correction for you. In the recent episode, Does Your Dog Really Love You?, I think Robert said boxer when he meant bulldog. Boxers were originally bred as hunting dogs, and bulldogs were used to herd bulls in slaughterhouses. When he mentioned the dog being a mascot at football games, I knew he meant bulldogs because of UGA's mascot, Ugga. Um which is UGA. UGA, yeah, and the dog's name is Uga. Yeah. They're the ones who have been more deformed by our breeding, uh, by breeding them shorter, squatter, and with the more more pushed-up faces that make them prone to overheating. Thanks for a great show, Bonnie. P.S. Rob, please pick up bananas at the store on your way home, because that was my wife who wrote that one. So, yes, Ah. I will. uh, I'll get those bananas. (laughs) That's nice that she wrote in. That's good. And uh, here's another one related to the uh, dog podcast, and this one is from a listener by the name of Katie. Katie says, Hey, Robert and Julie, in the Does Your Dog Really Love You podcast, you mentioned a woman who writes books with her cat but couldn't remember her name. You've probably gotten responses to this already, but I think who you're talking about is Rita Mae Brown and her cat, Sneaky Pie Brown. I listen to her audiobooks and think they're pretty good. She always gives credit to her cat in the books and often puts them as co-author. Sometimes she writes afterwards from the cat's perspective. It's kind of strange, but also kind of endearing. Anyway, love the podcast. Yeah, I'm really curious about those books, though. I have to check it out. (laughs) Yes, read those. I will. Okay. So, uh, hey, if you have any uh, cool tidbits to share with us, uh, you can, or just want to see what we're up to, what we're reading, what we're talking about, uh, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter as Below the Mind, or just throw that into a Google search, Below the Mind, one word, and you know, Twitter or Facebook, whatever you're looking for, and uh, drop in and see us. 
And if you want to send us a note about dashing your dinosaur dreams, you can do so at blowthemind at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. 